Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast is brought to you by my books. Seriously, though, it actually is. I make my living as a writer, so as long as I keep selling books, I can keep writing articles over at Muscle for Life and Legion and recording podcasts and videos like this and all that fun stuff. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. Now, these books, they basically teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or grind away in the gym every day doing workouts that you hate. Now, you can find my books everywhere. You can buy books online like Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes Noble, Kobo, and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of my books for free, one of my audiobooks for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. That's www.musclefor.com life.com forward slash audiobooks and you can see how to do this. Now also if you like my work in general then I really think you're going to like what I'm doing with my supplement company Legion. Now as you probably know I'm not a fan of the supplement industry. I mean I've wasted who knows how many thousands of dollars over the years on worthless supplements that really do nothing and I've always had trouble finding products that I actually thought were worth buying and recommending. And well, basically, I had been complaining about this for years, and I decided to finally do something about it and start making my own products. And not just any products, but really the exact products that I myself have always wanted. So a few of the things that make my supplements unique are, one, they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored. Two, all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself because on our website, we explain why we've chosen each ingredient. And we also cite all supporting studies so you can go dive in and check it out for yourself. Three, all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages, which are the exact dosages used in the studies proving their effectiveness. This is important, of course, because while something like creatine is proven to help improve strength and help you build muscle faster, if you don't take enough, then you're not going to see the benefits that are seen in scientific research. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means that you know exactly what you're buying. All our formulations are 100% transparent, both with the ingredients and the dosages. So you can learn more about my supplements at www.legionathletics, that's L-E-G-I-O-N, athletics.com. And if you like what you see and you want to buy something, use the coupon code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you'll save 10% on your order. All right, thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast, and let's get to the show. Hey, this is Mike Matthews from MuscleForLife.com, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, in this podcast, I'm going to go over two things. Uh, one is something that I have gotten asked uh, frequently for a long time, and I've written about it on Muscle for Life and uh, in you know in quite a few articles actually, and I've talked about it in my books and talked about it here and there on on podcasts and videos, but I haven't really given it an in depth kind of. Uh, rundown on a podcast, and that is the subject of building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Is it possible? Uh, and if it is, who can do it? Under what circumstances? How do you do it? And so forth. And uh, the second thing I want to talk about is uh, something I've been asked, I guess I'm getting asked more and more frequently these days um, as I kind of, I guess, make my way in this space or in this industry, and that is how, what were the big lessons that I've learned? Uh, 
and the big uh, kind of aha moments as I have gone from, you know, a couple years ago, I had published my first book, just self-published it. I didn't have any any connections in the industry. I didn't have any any website. I had nothing at the time. It was just kind of a, you know, I wonder if anyone's going to like what I have to say. Uh, to fast forwarding to today, um, you know, my website, Muscle for Life, gets over a million visits a month. Uh, I've sold uh, well over 300,000 books now. Um, I've started uh, my own supplement company, which had a very good first year last year um, and is going to do at least double that this year and then blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, what, what are the, how, what are, when looking back on it, what are the, the major things that I would attribute that success to? So let's start with building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Um, so you've, if, if you've been researching this at all, or if you've been reading uh, or, or listening to people in the, in the fitness space that at least know something, you've probably heard that you can't build muscle and lose fat at the same time. That's just not possible. Um, that's not exactly true. It definitely is possible. Uh, I mean, it's been shown in, you, you'll, you'll find it in, in quite a few scientific studies, um, and you'll find it anecdotally. You'll find people, uh, you'll either, I mean, Chances are you probably know somebody that, that clearly built muscle and lost fat at the same time, whether it was just by uh, looking at them or, you know, by actual measurement, like uh, if, if, if they're doing a good job calipering, you'd be able to know that, or if you're, if you're getting DEXA scanned, you'd know that. And I've had quite a few people, uh, DEXA scanning in particular, um, because they, they, were, they didn't quite believe that they actually built muscle and lost fat at the same time, so they wanted to, you know, be as accurate as possible. Um, and yes, they did. And the, the, the key factor here is, um, what your, where your body's currently at in terms of, uh, conditioning. Um, if you are like in, in, in the, the scientific research where you'll see building muscle and losing fat happening simultaneously is with untrained individuals, meaning people that, um, they don't, they, this is, this is their first introduction to weightlifting. Um, if that's you, if you are new to weightlifting, if this is, if you're within, let's say your first three months of weightlifting, uh, or if you have done some weightlifting already, but if it is a very inefficient type of weightlifting, which is a natural weightlifter, um, the, the worst way to train is to focus on isolation exercises, which would be exercises that isolate a certain muscle group versus compound exercises, which are exercises that involve multiple muscle groups. So for instance, you know, if you're going to work out your, your back and you're going to do, uh, isolation type of workout, you might do like, you know, single arm lat pull down like these guys or, or single arm, uh, seated type of, uh, type of rows. Um, and you might then go do some cable work, uh, same type of like pulling on, on the cables and, you know, back, back workouts, there's going to be a little bit of a compound nature because there are multiple muscle groups. I mean, your biceps are going to be involved no matter what, but compare those types of exercises or even, you know, you could say that, uh, even lat pull downs of two arm or, or close, close grip pull downs are a bit more isolation than compound um, and so compare those types of exercises to something like doing a bunch of deadlifts or doing a bunch of barbell rows, uh, or even dumbbell rows are going to be more, uh, compound just because of the free range of movement, which requires more muscles to stabilize. And also you have to use a bit of your body to even stabilize your core. 
Um, <clears throat> but of course, I mean, the real, in my opinion, the foundation of a good back workout is some sort of deadlift, whether it's a traditional or a sumo or a hex, um, because you're going to get the most whole body development and strength out of that exercise. So if you're a new weightlifter or if you're a weightlifter that's been doing a bunch of isolation type of work and then also high rep work, if you don't lift heavy weights and you just kind of go for the pump and go for the burn. And uh, so if you're doing that kind of stuff and then you switch to heavy compound lifting uh, and then do what you need to do with your diet, which we'll talk about in a minute, then yes, you can build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. I've seen it, you know, uh, hundreds of times by now. There's just no question. Um, so... Newbies to weightlifting, you can build muscle and lose fat simultaneously, guaranteed. Uh, newbies to proper weightlifting, you can also build muscle and lose fat. Even if you've been doing, you know, a nice, if, even if you've been weightlifting for, I've seen guys that have been doing those, you know, high rep isolation type of uh, workouts for upwards of a year, switch to heavy compound lifting, go into a calorie deficit, and build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. So, a bit of your body is going to come into play here. Obviously, genetics are going to come into play. Some people's bodies, uh, you know, if, if you have naturally high levels of testosterone, for instance, you're going to find it, it's much more likely that you're going to build muscle and lose fat simultaneously than somebody who has very low testosterone. And then there are other genetic factors in play you know, relating to how well your body can uh, repair type 2 muscle fibers, which is what your, those are the, the fast twitch muscle fibers that you are training when you're training with heavy weight. They can generate explosive power. They're not good for. They're not good at endurance, but they're good at explosive power. Uh, type one slow fibers would be the ones that are not very strong. They can't generate a lot of force, but they can go for a long time. Um, so, like if you're doing a bunch of high rep stuff, like let's say you're doing uh, on the on the extreme end of it, like a bunch of body weight stuff. So you're doing a bunch of pull ups and push ups and body weight squats and stuff. You're not going to build much size in that way, but you're going to build a lot of muscle endurance. So you're going to build up the capacity of your type one fibers and you can even, there's even evidence that the body will type, type if you're not using the type two fibers, they can, uh, in a sense, change into type one fibers. If you're doing a bunch of type one type of, uh, of exercise and vice versa, if you then flipped to a bunch of heavier weightlifting, your body would have a bigger demand for type two and could change type one fibers into type two. Um, so... Those are the circumstances, uh, you know, where you definitely can build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. If you are, if you have, let's say, a year, I mean, these, I'm throwing these numbers out here based on people I've worked with. Uh, this is an area where I, I, I've looked for, uh, I mean, I would, I'm not even necessarily conclusive scientific evidence, but uh, at least something where I would feel like, okay, this is relevant enough for me to share, and I haven't really been able to find anything great on this point in particular, and that is if you take someone who, let's say, has a year or so of proper weightlifting under their belt, uh, which means they've built a fair amount of muscle and strength, uh, in your first year of weightlifting, you, as a guy, you should be looking to gain, I would say, 15 to 20 pounds of muscle in your first year. If you gain any more than 20, then you're a, you're an outlier. You have very good genetics and perfect, I mean, it's gonna that's going to require perfect compliance. Um, and the guys that I've seen that have been able to do that have started out quite lean, so they were able to. Uh, they don't didn't have to. In, in, they didn't have to lose time in a calorie deficit, which uh, impairs muscle growth, which is what we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so they were it started out lean. They were able to start in a slight calorie surplus, which maximizes muscle growth, and they were very good on their diet. They didn't overeat on their bulk, which is what a lot of guys do. So they didn't pile on fat too quickly, which necessitates switching to cut. So 
you know, the guys that I've seen have been able to gain, I've seen upwards of 25 pounds of muscle in the first year, uh, were in a calorie surplus almost the entire time. So like they may have started around 7% body fat and ended around 15, 16, but that was over a year or over 10, 11 months. And they were just, and you know, no, no, um, time missed in gym really other than like planned deloads or there was no, you know, two months missed or, you know, missing two weeks here because of sickness and there and there, and there, or whatever. Um, but I would say 15 to 20 pounds of muscle is a good goal for your first year. If you're a guy, half of that, if you're a girl, uh, you know, seven to 10 pounds is, is, is a good year for a good year one for, for girls. Um, <clears throat> pollen, I have, I have pollen allergies and the pollen is coming. So that's why my voice sounds a little weird and I'm going to be sniffling a little bit. Um, Anyway, so you take that person that has been uh, through their first year or say year and a half of lifting, they've gained their first 20-ish pounds of muscle, they have a good foundation of strength, um, they've been focusing on their compound lifts. Can that person build muscle and lose fat simultaneously? Uh, I'm going to say probably, like if that's you, probably not. It's possible, um, but that's where I would say your goal when you want to lose fat should be to preserve your muscle. Um, I wouldn't really shoot for, for gaining muscle cause you're kind of going to be setting yourself up for, for failure in that regard. Um, and you, and you know, if you, if you're thinking that that's normal and maybe you see guys on Instagram that talk about doing that, yeah, it's because of drugs, like guys that have been training for years and years that, uh, lose fat and build muscle simultaneously drugs every time, unless they, unless it's some weird set of circumstances where they're like, you know, they trained for like, for instance, take me, I've been training uh, weightlifting regularly for uh, 12 years now, give or take 11, 12 years. And uh, if I were to stop weightlifting completely for six months and lose a bunch of muscle and, and then get fat, eat a bunch of food and then come back to it and start lifting again and start dieting, then yes, I would gain some of that muscle back because muscle memory is very real. I've written about it. I'll link an article down in the description, in the description down below. You can read about the science of it. Uh, there's no question you gain muscle back much quicker, uh, than you, you gain it the first time around. Um, I would say in terms of the effects of it, I would say it's almost like you're on steroids in a sense in, in how quickly you can gain that muscle back. So in th with that not being the case, a guy that, you know, is just training regularly. Like if I were, you know, just doing my thing and, and I were, uh, you know, I'm fairly lean right now. I'm probably about 8% or so seven or eight. I kind of just, I hover in between there, depending on what I'm doing with my food. Um, <clears throat> but if I were, let's say 15% or, or something like that, or, or even a little bit lower, like 13, and then I were to start cutting to get to where I'm at now and build muscle, then drugs, there's just, there's no other way to do that. And the reason why is uh, because when you're in a calorie deficit, which is what is necessary for losing fat, and <clears throat> that's worth me kind of just uh, talking about briefly, even though you're probably familiar with this, just because some people, they, they wonder, they, they have the idea that you're like shifting fat into muscle or turning fat into muscle, or I'll get asked like, can you uh, lose fat in a calorie surplus? or <clears throat> things like that and or or that you know there's some like people that think they were losing fat while in a calorie surplus type thing uh, so I've had people ask me about that and have people then argue with me sometimes saying that they were in a calorie surplus and they were losing fat no you're not that that <laughs> the the metabolism how it works is it it works with with uh you know energy that you're expending and that is a uh, 
there are quite a few variables that determine how much energy you expend. You have your basal expenditure, which is the body, the amount of energy that your body expends uh, just, you know, at rest, just to stay alive, keeping all your organs running, keeping everything, you know, uh, all the cellular activity that needs to happen to keep you alive requires energy. And then you have on top of that <clears throat> all physical movement, um, ranging from your intense exercise to your fidgeting throughout the day. You know, some people, and this has been shown uh, in, in research, that some people are, are, are much more fidgety than others, and they actually can burn quite a few more calories. Like, I think um, the, uh, and the more extreme, and I remember in one paper, it was like the, the most fidgety type of people were burning an average of like, or on the high, it was like around 1,000 calories more per day than the people that were most sedentary. And uh, so there's, there's that, and then there's also the, there's a bit of a, an energy expenditure uh, variable in, in the food that you eat because it costs energy to process. You know, um, For instance, carbohydrates cost more energy to process than dietary fat. So there are, are a variety of factors that determine how much energy your body is burning, and, but it comes down to a number. There is an amount, there is a quantity, even though you can't ever exactly quantify it, you can come fairly close by, uh, you don't have to even get complicated with it, really. I mean, I, I recommend with dieting using a pretty simple, you take your basal metabolic rate, you multiply it by, by an activity factor, which is really, I mean, the majority of your, your energy burned on a daily basis is going to be in your exercise, unless you're very active uh, outside of the gym, <clears throat> like if you're on your feet all day walking around, if that's the type of work that you do, you're going to burn a lot of energy there. But if you're like most of us, you, we don't move very much throughout the day. We're seated and doing our work and we get up to go to the bathroom or get up to this and that. There's not that much energy that's being burned in it with, uh, with that type of activity. And so in the end, I mean, I'll link an article down below, which I, I've, I link all the time because it just lays out everything you need to do to, to determine your energy expenditure, determine your intake, and then lay out a meal plan. But I recommend keeping it simple, taking your basal metabolic rate, multiplying it by an activity <clears throat> multiplier, and then seeing how your body responds and adjusting accordingly. I mean, part of the, this game is kind of learning your body, and you'll find that your body has, quote-unquote, sweet spots for losing fat, maintaining body composition, and gaining muscle, and also then gaining a little bit of fat. Um, and that changes from person to person. So the, really, you just want to have a sensible starting point that has a good chance of just working right off the bat. But if it doesn't work right off the bat or doesn't work as, you know, as well as it should, it just means that you need to adjust. It doesn't mean that your body's broken or your metabolism's broken or you know, messing with calories isn't going to work for you. It just means that you're, something is off and it just needs to be tweaked. That's all. So <clears throat> with that said, when you're in a calorie surplus, it means that you are feeding your body a bit more energy than it is burning. That, like that. So if you're in a surplus you're going to gain some body fat. Even if it's, uh, some people gain more than others and that depends, you know, genetics play a role in that. For instance, in the last podcast, um, I talked about, or I, I interviewed somebody from DNA Fit um, because I got a genetic test done with them and found out that I have um, a very low sensitivity to carbohydrate and a low sensitivity to dietary fat. And basically like one of the effects of those things is that when I am eating an excess amount of carbohydrate, well, not even excess, when I eat carbohydrate and dietary fat, my body is, to simplify it, is less likely to store it as body fat as somebody who would have a very high sensitivity to either of those. Um, so in my case, uh, and I've noticed this, that I can overfeed, I can eat 
uh, a lot of food and not see like where I'm in a huge calorie surplus. There's no question. And for, for the day, at least, you know, if I eat 8,000 calories in a day and I just do my normal thing or, or, you know, I still exercise and whatever, like uh, my average day to day life, I'm never burning more than probably 3,000, 3,500 calories. Um, so if I only eat 8,000 calories, obviously there's plenty for fat storage, but I could do that and then not really notice a difference, uh, maybe a little bit over the course of the next day or so, but not as much as you might assume given how much food I ate. And, and also now that I've worked with a ton of people, I know people and then also people I know in, in, in real life that are much more prone to storing fat when they overeat. And, and, you know, genetics definitely play a role there. I also, in my case, I have a gene that's associated with high levels of testosterone naturally. Uh, I've never been blood tested, um, so I actually don't know what my, what my testosterone, where it is, but that, that makes sense. I mean, if I just look at um, <clears throat> the, the type of uh, things that are associated with higher testosterone versus lower, then yes, my, my body would, would align with the higher testosterone where I, I, I tend to stay lean. I build muscle easily. Um, I don't need a lot of sleep. I generally have high levels of energy and motivation. I have a good sex drive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so <clears throat> there are uh, some personal factors involved uh, in, with how your body uh, handles with a calorie surplus, but I still do gain some fat <laughs> when I'm in a surplus and everybody gains some fat. You can't just feed your body 500 calories of energy more than it burns every day without storing something. It's programmed to store fat with excess energy. That's just what it's programmed to do. So <clears throat> to lose fat, you have to now do the opposite. You have to feed your body a bit less energy than it's burning, and that's called a calorie deficit. Now, the problem when it comes to building muscle is when you're in a calorie deficit, and this has been proven, uh, I'll link the study down below if you want to check it out, that the body's ability to synthesize proteins is impaired when you're in a calorie deficit, and that applies to muscle proteins. So, long story short, make it simple, when you're in a calorie deficit, your body is simply not able to repair and synthesize. When you're in the gym pushing weights, you're breaking down muscle proteins. Your body has to replace them with new muscle proteins. It has to repair the damage. Um, if it's not able to do that as efficiently as normal, what happens is you, you get to a state where you go work out and you need a certain amount of muscle damage to occur to uh, stimulate you know, muscle growth. Because really what muscle growth is, and I've said this before, but in case you haven't heard me say it before, what muscle growth is, is you have your protein breakdown on one side of a scale and you have your protein synthesis on another side of the scale. Muscle growth is synthesis in excess of breakdown over time. That's it. So you broke down this muscle, muscle protein. You, your body replaced or built or you know synthesized this much. You've gained that margin there. You know, let's say it's like <clears throat> in a week when you're new. You, you know, especially in the beginning, you can gain upwards of a pound of muscle a week. It slows down, um, but that's that's what muscle growth is. So what happens is when you're in a calorie deficit, the muscle damage is still occurring. Um, and <clears throat> I'm not sure if I've seen research that indicates that there's excess muscle damage in a calorie deficit, not that I can think of, but for sure, protein synthesis rates are now lower. So basically, you're, you're kind of just fighting to keep them balanced when you're in a calorie deficit. What you don't want is protein synthesis rates to go really low because that's muscle loss. If protein, If your body is breaking down this many protein uh, molecule or muscle protein, you know, cells, and you're only replacing this much, 
that margin is muscle loss, and that's what you want to be preventing. And you can cause this imbalance by you know a lot of mistakes. You could eat too, too little protein uh, when you're in a calorie deficit. You could be in too large of a calorie deficit. Uh, you're starving yourself. You could be doing too much exercise, especially too much cardio. Um, so there are quite a few different things that you know. If, if you're also very very stressed, if your cortisol levels are very very high, cortisol is a catabolic hormone breaks breaks tissues down. So <clears throat> there are uh, big mistakes that you can make that cause that imbalance. But when you have it, everything dialed in, um, you can keep a balance. You should be able to, no matter how trained you are, I mean, if you're like me, if you have a decade of, of training experience and you're pretty much at the peak of your genetic potential uh, or as far as you want to go, in my case, I'm pretty much as far as I want to go. I don't really want, I don't want to be much bigger than I am right now. I would like to be stronger, but then that's kind of a catch 22 because really to get stronger, if I want to add 100 pounds to my deadlift, I have to get uh, – there's no way I'm not going to get a little bit bigger. It's going to require a bit more muscle. Um, I, I'm not going to be getting – out of the muscle tissue that I have, there's no, I, I'm not going to be gaining 100 pounds on a lift just in neurological function alone. That's not going to happen. Um, but you should, if you're in my situation or if you have even five years of, of you know, solid lifting under your belt, you're going to be a, you're a, you're an advanced lifter at that point. You want it to just balance, and that's that's what you're looking for. When you're in a calorie deficit, you don't want to lose muscle, but you, shan't, you can't really expect to gain muscle either. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of the, um, the basic underlying theory of, of building muscle and losing fat simultaneously and who can do it and who can't. And then I, before I move on, um, I just want to quickly touch on how to do it because uh, – so let's say you're in a situation, you're new or you're new to, to proper weightlifting, you have some fat to lose, and, and so you can lose it and build muscle. How do you actually do that? And it's very simple. You just put yourself in a calorie deficit, uh, high-protein diet. I recommend relatively high-carbohydrate intake. Um, and I'll, I'll link an article down below on why I don't recommend low-carb dieting. Um, and you know, moderate to low, lower fat intake, enough to sustain health, but no more because it's unnecessary. You don't need excess amounts of fat. The hormonal differences uh, are so minor that's just not going to matter. And you're going to get a lot more out of those carbs in your training, it, unless your body really doesn't do well with carbs. That I do run into that rarely, where people, um, guys will find they'll usually find figure it out. It's usually well, I'd say it's guys and girls. They'll usually figure it out. I just run into it more with guys because guys run into it when they're bulking, and girls don't seem to bulk as much as guys do. Um, but that's usually when people will find out is when they're bulking. They'll hit a certain level of carbohydrate intake where their body just doesn't feel good beyond that. Like I've seen guys, they kind of settle into about a 300 gram a day, which isn't, depending on your body weight, is okay when you're bulking, but ideally you could go higher. Um, but I have run into guys that once they hit that 300 grams a day, or in some cases it's 400, some cases I've seen as low as 2, 250, they don't feel good anymore. And this is not like highly processed junk food either. This is, uh, you know, potatoes and sweet potatoes and grains, whole grains and stuff. This is good food. Um, and there's just a point where their body doesn't want any more carbs and they just don't feel good with more carbs. So we cut it off there. But uh, I recommend that you, uh, and again, you'll see in the article, the meal planning article I linked down below, this lays out how to work your numbers out. So, you know, if you want to know how many, how much protein exactly, how much carbohydrate, how much fat, just go there and check it out. Um, but I recommend that you start with a high protein, moderate to high carbohydrate, moderate to low fat breakdown and see how your body responds to it. Um, and yeah, so if you want to lose fat and build muscle simultaneously, put yourself in a calorie deficit, 
lay your macronutrients out correctly, be consistent with it, and then train hard. Uh, you know, heavy lifting, compound lifting should be the emphasis. Um, you have to make sure that your weekly volume uh, is uh, set up properly so you don't overtrain. I'll link an article down below on training frequency that uh, because right now it's very popular. High frequency is very popular. Training everything in your everything two or three times a week, and these types of programs are fine. They can work. Um, I've done them myself, but uh, there are advantages of training everything once a week that uh, I personally prefer, and I explain that. I talk about them in the article that I'll link down below. Um, actually, I'll link two articles. I'll link in a frequency article and then how to build a workout routine where I go into a bit more of why I prefer training everything once a week as my kind of standard go-to type of routine. And then <clears throat> you can always mix things up. Uh, part of uh, long-term results when it comes to working out, a big part of it is just compliance, just staying consistent. You have the, the fundamentals that you have to keep in and you have to apply. And, uh, but they're, they're like, like, you know, flexible dieting, right? So like the proper dieting is very flexible. There's a bit of flexibility in training too. You can change frequency. You can change. There's certain things you wouldn't want to change. Like you wouldn't want to change em your emphasis on the heavy compound weightlifting. You wouldn't want to change that, but you can definitely change frequency. Um, you can change the assistance type of work, the exercises that you do in addition to your big, your squats, your deadlifts, your pressing. So the additional stuff you can change. Um, you can change rep ranges. Uh, so you do have some wiggle room. Uh, and, you know, let's say you're working, let's say if you're on, on my, one of my programs like Bigger, Leaner, Stronger or Thinner, Leaner, Stronger or Beyond Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and you want to try a full body program, um, let's say you want to try starting strength or something like that, uh, I'd say, great. I say, give it a go and see how you like it. Um, I find that with full body programs uh, or even upper lower programs, as you get stronger and stronger, one of the big things I don't like is the workouts get very, very hard. Um, if I mean, Just take, a, take an upper body type of workout where depending on whether you start with your chest pressing or shoulder pressing first, one of them is going to suffer. You're not going to get maximum performance out of either when you're doing them in the same workout. Same thing goes in a lower body workout. If you're squatting and deadlifting in the same workout, whichever one comes second is going to be uh, a bit impaired from what you did first. So that's why I personally like to separate out. Like I like to have each workout start with one major compound for the muscle group and then move on to some assistance. So then it allows me to give everything I've got basically. So when I'm, when I'm doing my pull or my back, I'm, I'm deadlifting, but I'm not also squatting in the same day. I'm going to save my squatting for my legs day. And that's one of the reasons why I like a more of a single split. Uh, and, but you know, again, if I've also found that some people seem to respond better to much higher volume training, this is rare. Um, I, it's not the average thing that I run in, it's not common, but I have run into a few guys that I was, I was really surprised how much weekly volume they could get away with. And for them, you know, training everything two or three times a week made sense because they could just do so much. And normally when you see that, you, it's just drugs. I mean, that, that's why guys, um, <clears throat> one of the big benefits of steroids is your body's able to synthesize proteins at a massively higher rate. So basically now, you know, if you're, if your your muscle damage is here, but your body's potential protein synthesis, what it can synthesize is up here. Well, you need to you know, bring that up so you can, because uh, there's a stimulus factor here. You know, this much stimulus isn't enough to produce this much protein synthesis, but you start bringing the stimulus up and then your, if your body can keep up, you can gain a lot of muscle really quickly. So in those cases, then yes, it would absolutely make sense. If a guy's on drugs, 
he needs to, if, he, if he's going to get the most out of the drugs, he needs to be increasing his weekly volume. And there are, like, there's, there, you could do it by, um, like, the Mike Mentzer high-intensity training type of method where you're, like, doing these massive workouts of, you know, super high volume, and then you rest for a week and do it again. That's one way of, if you look at it every seven days, of getting a huge amount of volume in. Um, or you can take a huge amount of volume and just kind of distribute it among, uh, you know, six workouts that you do. Like you could do, you know, push, pull legs, rest, push, pull legs, and you can, you can get a lot of volume in on your body. But if you're natural, that type of program, you have to be very careful with, with your volume. Um, and because if you go too high, you're going to overtrain. I've made that mistake before. Um, years ago, I was working out with a guy who, at the time, I didn't really know is what, what I know now, even in terms of drugs and what type of drugs look like with bodies and, and, and some of the signs. So I didn't, wasn't sure if the guy was on drugs. Now I know for sure he was, no question, um, especially given his diet and stuff. But uh, his workout routine was, uh, we were training everything twice a week. It was... Uh, yeah, I think it was years ago. So I'm trying to remember if it was an upper lower or I think it was a push pull legs, rest push pull legs. And uh and I did it for a couple months and at the end of that month, two two months or so, two and a half months, I had never felt that's the most overtrained I've ever felt. I was actually amazed. I remember coming in to try to work out and I had I I, I go to do a pull up because it's back day and I was just gonna do a little warm up. It was like our pull and uh and I start doing pull-ups and I can't even, I get to like three and I just feel dead. I feel, I get so tired. I'm just out of it yawning. Like I felt like I had, I was trying to work out in the middle of a flu or something. You know what I mean? Where I didn't feel, I, didn't, I wasn't sick, but I just had nothing left. And it took, I had to take like a good 10 days off the gym just to feel normal again. So that's something you have to watch out for. But um, it's not that a push-pull legs rest push pull legs, it doesn't work. It's just, you have to be careful with your volume. Um, <clears throat> so if back to the, to the subject here, calorie deficit plus proper training, you can build muscle and, and lose fat. That's how you do it. There's no special, I would recommend creatine as well. Take creatine when you're in a calorie deficit. It helps you preserve muscle, preserve strength. If you can build muscle while in a deficit, creatine is going to help you do it faster. There's no reason not to take it. It's totally safe. You don't have to cycle it. Um, I'll, I'll link an article down below that kind of goes into more, more on, on creatine, two articles actually, the different forms that are available, what's the best form, and then how to use it, and then answering some questions regarding cycling and stuff like that. Uh, but it's totally safe, and it, really, if you're weightlifting, you should be taking creatine, period. It's, it's the only supplement that is going to, natural supplement that is going to help you build muscle and strength directly, 100% proven. Um, so that's how you do it. There's no special... Uh, you know, you use some cardio. I recommend high, high intensity interval cardio and not too much of it. I never do more than about two hours a week when I'm cutting. Um, and, uh, that's it. Keep yourself in a calorie deficit and focus on heavy compound weightlifting, follow a well laid out program and your body will take care of the rest essentially. All right. So that's that. Let's move on to the next thing here, which is, um, how I've come this far, I guess, uh, some of the, some of the lessons I've kind of learned along the way, um, of, getting to where I am now. And, uh, like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, uh, I, my story is, is interesting in that, um, I guess it's kind of an unlikely way, uh, unusual way to get to where I am now in that I didn't go through, uh, I didn't go through, you know, maybe the normal type of process of, um, 
having to work my way up the ladder of, of getting in with the right people and maybe getting featured on this website and that and then kind of just working my way up that way and then eventually maybe getting in with somebody that an editor on a magazine and et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> my experience was much faster um, and I I haven't been published in, a, in any magazines. I haven't even really tried to be either. Um, I've been on bodyboy.com couple random spots i don't know i don't really do guest posting i'll probably do a bit more of it this year but up until now i haven't just because i found that uh things are going so well with just writing for my own website and producing spending my time producing content like this and that you know why bother give why bother giving content to other people when i can just put it on my own website and google loves me and gives me a ton of traffic so i'll just keep on loading it up basically um so Kind of made a quick little list of things <clears throat> of things here. Um, this is and this would be more geared toward. I would say like this is directly geared toward people that are interested in coming up in, in the in the making a name for themselves in the in the fitness space and you know getting a following and maybe being recognized as an expert and that that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> uh, but it also applies, I think, to really any any type of undertaking. And I'll kind of I'll, I'll explain things in, in I think in a way that I think applies to, to both of those uh, scenarios. Um, so the first thing is you have to get into, you have to get into really, really good shape yourself. I mean, that's like the first, in my opinion, if you really want to have a good shot of success in the industry, um, you have to be in amazing shape yourself. And well, I mean, my, my, it's kind of funny. My, my standard of amazing has changed so much, even as I've gotten in better shape myself, where, you know, I look at now the things that I don't like about my body are things I can't change. Like my abs genetically are just not, they're not, they're kind of staggered and they're asymmetrical and they're just like, yeah, they're not terrible, but, uh, they're not Lazar, Angela, I don't know, Angela, I his name, whatever that dude, uh, you know, his abs, they're, his abs are ridiculous. They're just perfectly symmetrical. Eight pack looks, you know, he, at, at like at 10 or 11%, his abs just look awesome because they're just big and symmetrical and whatever. You know, that's, that's not me. Um, <clears throat> so whatever, I'm not actually complaining, but you know, there, there are things now where I look at my body and I go, well, and yeah, I mean, I look good, but I, you know, that'd be cool if I had that dude's abs or whatever. So, um, but you know, as a guy or let's say as a girl, if you want to, if you want people to listen to you, you first have to really show that you walk the walk and you show that by being in awesome shape. That means having a really good foundation of muscle, being lean as a guy. If you've never been under 10% body fat, don't try to become a fitness expert. <laughs> Learn, do that first. Um, you know, a big part of why people are drawn to, to me and my work is they'll see pictures of me and they'll go, I want to look like that. And that's, I mean, of course, makes sense. If you, uh, you know, want to learn, uh, I've been learning golf, for instance, and uh, if I have no interest in learning golf from somebody who has, you know, who shoots in the 90s or even in the 80s, like I want to go play with the guys that are scratch golfers. Those are the guys I want to learn from. Same thing here. People don't, there are, you're going to get a lot more people that are going to want to learn from you if you're in awesome shape. And that means it takes discipline. There's, I mean, I don't mind it. And, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to be very flexible with the foods you eat and, and, and your lifestyle. But if you want to get really lean and stay lean, which is something that I also like to do, um, 
I prefer not to go through bulking and cutting cycles at this point. I just like to kind of maintain a certain look and, you know, I get to eat maybe 26, 27, maybe as high as 2,800 calories. It kind of depends. Sometimes with meals, like if I'm doing different recipes and stuff, uh, my calories, it'll change a little bit from here to here. Maybe they'll be like 26 one day, 29 the other day, but I'd say they average out to 27, 2,800 a day, but that, that's every day. And, you know, if I'm going to, if I have the holidays, you know, times where there's going to be a lot of eating, then I'm saving up a bunch of calories for those periods and maybe doing a little bit more cardio. So I have to, it's something I have to constantly, uh, keep track of basically. I can't just go for months at a time, not giving a shit, just eating whatever, you know, uh, whatever I'm going to go eat this for lunch and that for dinner and this and that and that and that, then I would just get fatter is what would happen. So you have to prove that you can do it. That's, that's, uh, that's one of the big things. And one of the big, uh, I mean, it seems obvious, but quite a few guys and girls that contact me that, you know, basically say they want to get into this industry and they're, they're asking me like, what are my tips for them? Quite a few of them are just not really in good shape. They're not the type, you wouldn't look at them and be like, wow, I want to look like that. A lot of them are just like, they look like kind of fit where you're like, okay, I guess that looks all right. That's not what you want to, that's not the reaction you want to, you know, have in people. If you're trying to sell them on you as being an expert, you don't want them to be like, yeah, I mean, I guess he lifts, I guess. You want them to be like, damn, that dude looks good. That's, that's the reaction you want. Um, so that, that's the first thing. And it also helps if you can, uh, I mean, looks I'd say is the, is the main thing, but also if you're strong in the gym and you and people can see that, you know what you're doing in that regard too. So, you know, if you're, uh, pushing, pulling, squatting, you know, respectable amount of weights, heavy weights, good form people, at least, especially the more informed, uh, people are going to notice that. <clears throat> but again, when it, in terms of mass appeal, it's, uh, it's going to be looks. Um, so that's one thing. And then another thing now is, uh, and, and again, applying that to other fields, it's, yeah, yeah you got to be really good at something. I mean, I wrote an article on this. So something I came across in a memoir of, uh, in the memoir of Steve Martin, the comedian, where basically like his big secret to success, and this is what he tells people, is get so good at something they can't ignore you. And that's a great concept because it's, it's perfect and it encapsulates, it, it gives you a very clear, like just focus on that and you can avoid a lot of other bullshit and a lot of other distractions and trying to take shortcuts and, and things that are ultimately going to just keep you treading water and wasting your time. But if you just focus on getting so good at something that people just simply can't ignore you, that people, they see, and in terms of fitness, they see your body and they're like, damn, that dude's in, or that girl's in amazing shape. Like, how? And, and you'll find that this is a natural type of thing that'll happen is people will start asking you, like, they'll start seeing that and you'll get more and more just from random people. They're going to start asking you, you know, uh, <clears throat> somebody you just met and you're just kind of talking about random stuff. And then they're going to go to, hey, so I noticed like you're in pretty good shape. I wanted to lose some fat. How do I do that? And it's a natural progression because people, they see, you know, if, if as a guy, if you're muscular, 7% body fat, people notice that. Uh, and you don't have to have your shirt off people to notice that. You just, I mean, look at how you look in clothes versus the average person out there. And it's very clear that you're doing something that they're not doing. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that concept is is key. And, and it's something that I keep in mind in anything that I'm doing. I... I focus on whether it's writing or, you know, building uh, the supplement business or, uh, 
um, doing all everything I'm doing with Muscle for Life or whatever, if I can just get so good at that that people can't ignore me, that I just stand out that much, that alone is going to take care of so much in terms of uh, long-term success. Um, <clears throat> and that now brings us to the next point, which includes you have to be very, you have to be really informed. It takes time. You have to study a lot. Um, and that applies to fitness or anything else. If you want to get so good that other people, you know, can't ignore you, especially in fitness, it's not just looking a certain way because the problem with that is go on Instagram. You can find tons of guys and girls that look great. They're just, they're on drugs. So many of these people are on drugs and yeah, that sounds cynical and <clears throat> I get accused of being on drugs as well. And I understand, even though, honestly, I think that people accusing me of being on drugs is kind of just ignorant because if you look at just go look at my pictures going back from when I started this back in 2000. Well, I, Muscle for Life came around in uh, 2013, and that's when I kind of started posting more on social media because I'm not really that kind of person. Like, I don't use social media personally at all. I'm not posting pictures of me or trying to show off anything. I don't care about any of that. Um, <clears throat> but look at my body, you know, in 2013 versus now. I look more or less the same because, again, um, <clears throat> I'm at a point where – I'm just not going to be able to gain much more, much more muscle naturally. And I'm not really interested either. I kind of want to stay where I'm at. And uh, you'll see that I'm lifting a bit more weight now than I was then, but not by, not by that much. Again, that's kind of a fact. That has to do with the fact that I am uh, staying lean, which limits my training because of, you know, I can't eat a ton of food. Um, and, and also, I don't have the telltale drug signs, which would be the massive shoulders, the massive traps, the massive, massive upper chest. I don't have the call the crazy vascularity, the you know disgusting squiggle veins everywhere and stuff. So, <clears throat> but I still understand some people. You know, in, in some pictures, I guess you know you can see I, I don't I could see people being like on the fence, like I don't know if he's on drugs or not. But anyways, uh, you'll find a lot of guys that look great, um, and they they actually like on Instagram they can have quite a few followers just because they look great, but they don't really know anything, and in a lot of cases they're pretty dumb. Like you just read their what the things they say, and there's just not much going on up there. So it, it's not enough to just look good. You have to also be informed, and you have to be able to articulate yourself, and, and you have to come across as intelligent and educated. And there's no way to fake that. Uh, I, you know, Again, <clears throat> a lot of people are into that. They're into trying to shortcut things and fake it till you make it and all that. I'm, I don't believe in that. I believe in hard work. I believe also that people have... Uh, a much better intuition and much better instincts than than um, other people that try that want to try to shortcut or fake it till you make it or kind of bullshit people uh, give them credit for. Sure, there are the Mike Changs out there that make a ton of money and they have all their Muppets that uh, you know buy into their stuff, but that's a short-lived like that. I just, that business model sucks. They don't you know one. It just sucks to be that person where you you know you're just scamming people and you're. You know, you're not, you're not actually really helping them. You're just kind of promising things so they give you some money, and then maybe they'll give you money for a couple months until they realize, until they just are like, all right, this isn't working for me, and they move on to the next thing. That's a very normal business model here in the fitness space, where you figure you're going to hook somebody for a few months, and <clears throat> you know the vast majority of people aren't going to get the results they want, and then they're going to move on to something else. Not even necessarily going to blame you. They're going to think, well, you know, it just didn't work for me, um, <clears throat> and move on to something else. Uh, I'm not into that. I much, much prefer. I, in the, I'd much rather <clears throat> help people. The, the, you know, you can't. Not everyone's going to make it, no matter what, because 
there's you know people you have you could have you could lay out the best type of diet and the best type of exercise program, but if a person doesn't stick to it properly, well, there's nothing you can do about that, and that that is inevitable. Sometimes people lose motivation or things happen in life that throw them off and <clears throat> they don't get back on. So, you know, it happens. But I'm much more into the idea of lay everything out that I can so people can get the type of results they want and build a long-term relationship there. And <clears throat> that, sorry, it's just <laughs> stupid allergies. Um, that uh, is, it takes a lot more time, takes a lot more work, but it's also a lot more fulfilling and it has a lot more meaning and uh, in the, in, it builds uh, an actual business that has value, uh, long-term value as opposed to, you know, something, <clears throat> something that you're always trying to keep just, you're trying to get new suckers basically is a, that that's kind of the standard type of fitness thing. It's just more and more eyeballs and a certain percentage are going to take, and then you're going to get some money out of them. And they're going to flush out and you just rinse and repeat. I'm into repeat, not just, <clears throat> God, it's so annoying. I'm into not just repeat business, but also like relationships, repeat, just hearing from the same people again and getting updates and all that stuff. So, um, Getting very educated is, is very, very key. That's that's the, the message, really, of this point. Um, and <clears throat> that means that, you know, it's not a... You can look at things, in my opinion, in general, you can look at something as, oh, it's so daunting and it's going to be so much work and build it up in your mind as it's going to be, you know, a thousand hours and that means you're going to have to watch a lot less TV and hang out with your friends a lot less and blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of people psych themselves out when they look at, you know, some kind of large undertaking like that. And, um, you know, I have a bit of experience with large undertakings, I guess, because even from anything from writing a book, which is when you start from scratch, it's quite a process um, to go from an idea in your head to a completed book that's, uh, you know, up and selling and doing well. Um, Or, you know, launching Legion, that was about um, close to a year worth of preparatory work. yeah, give or take a year, basically, of like, it wasn't a year full time, because I also was writing and, and doing stuff with Muscle for Life. But uh, me and my partner in Legion, uh, his name's Jeremy, it was about a year that we were working on it before we were able to sell to sell anything to take a single dollar. Um, so you can imagine, and both of us are smart, and we work hard and work fast. So it was a lot of stuff that needed to get done before we could really go on that. And a lot of, uh, a lot of preparatory work, a lot of survey type stuff and, um, to, to make, it's like that old, you know, that, that cliche of, uh, what it, what is it? It's like, if you had a certain amount of time, I don't remember a certain amount of time to, to cut it, to cut a tree down, you'd spend the majority of your time sharpening your ax kind of thing. It was that type of approach where as opposed to just like, um, cause when I was first like, okay, I want to, let's do Legion. Let, let's do a supplement company because I was selling a lot of other people's stuff and I'd rather just make my own supplements and make them better and make the stuff I actually really wanted and sell those instead. Uh, it was, there were certain people I knew that were of the mindset of like, you know, oh, who cares? Just throw something up there, just get it going. And then you can always change it and fix it and you know, whatever. And yeah, you know, I'm into that. I understand the minimal vi- minimum viable product type of concept and I actually agree with it, but um, when it came to doing a line of supplements, I kind of was in the beginning, I was like, no, like we're not going to go over, we're not going to spend five years preparing just to to make a sale, but if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And that means that there's going to be quite a bit of work in really laying out the, like, getting the, the products the way that we want it, getting the right type of formulations, which means a lot of research, 
um, and and vetting manufacturers because I know that there's a lot of bullshit in the, in the world of manufacturing, making sure that I'm getting a manufacturer that's not just going to give me a good price, but it's not going to screw me over and you know give me uh, products that don't have what they say they have or have very low quality ingredients. Um, to the branding side of things, um, I mean, there are so many, uh, I'm a... I'm a big believer in um, just high quality marketing in general and that I think that's one of the most important skills you can have as a business person is be a good marketer and, and which kind of in conjunction with that, be a good salesperson. Um, I mean, the, the easiest way to, to get into an industry, any industry and make money is to identify a niche. I mean, if it's, if, it, if it's an industry where there's large amounts of money being spent, you're probably not going to be able to just come in and dominate in the, in the top tier category. But identify a niche where there is a demand. There are companies selling things and doing well, but their marketing sucks. Just come in and be better marketers. Have good products. I and mean, that's, that's a standard, like, if you, if you want to have generate goodwill and build a business, you have to have high quality products that meet customers' needs. But beyond that, be better at marketing than your competitors and you're going to do well. So in my case, it was identifying that niche, which is growing uh, now, but at the time it was, um, there weren't very many companies doing it, but I knew that there was a need for it. And that is uh, kind of what I'm doing with Legion. Um, you know, products that are all ingredients backed by good science that is actually cited and you can go check the studies yourself. And so it's, you're not just taking my word that, you know, this molecule is scientifically proven to do this. You can go see the research and why I'm including it in the products um, and all ingredients at clinically effective dosages, which everybody says, but when you, what is a clinically effective dosage? That means it's a dosage that was shown to be effective in scientific research. And that means again, that you have to show the scientific research to back up why you have, you know, however many, my pre-workout pulse, for instance, has 4.8 grams of beta alanine per serving. Why 4.8 grams? Because there's a meta-analysis that was done of 20-something studies on beta-alanine and performance, and it showed that the average effective dosage used was about 4.8 grams. So 4.8 grams, that's clinically effective dosage. If I were to put one gram and say clinically effective dosage, it doesn't mean anything anymore. According to what? Uh, even Maybe you could find like one study where they used one gram and it did something, but if when you start looking at the, the whole body of research on the molecule and you go, okay, well, if you really want to get its benefits, when you review all this, you need to have upwards of five grams or so four to five grams is where you want to be to really get benefits. Sure. One gram is going to do something, but five grams is the, is the real deal. Um, so, you know, that is what I'm doing with my products. Every ingredient is like that in every product. So you can go check it out yourself. Uh, using natural sweeteners, no artificial sweeteners. Um, and I'm actually switching over to natural flavoring too. My next, from now on, all products are going to be naturally flavored, where, which is uh, in the beginning, I was, you know, we were, we were working on, we were getting naturally flavored products versus artificially flavored products and, and trying them and the artificially flavored always tasted better. And they weren't really able to get the natural flavored ones to taste right because of the amount of active ingredients that are in my products like pulse for instance has eight grams of citrulline malate per serving and sit malate tastes really really bad it's it tastes like weird salty detergent it's gross um, very hard to to deal with for for flavoring um so in doing research uh on artificial flavors basically is there any reason why i should steer away from artificial flavors there's nothing in terms of scientific research indicating that uh, artificial flavoring is 
harmful to the body. Whereas artificial sweeteners, there's uh, quite a bit of evidence that regular consumption of these types of chemicals can be harmful and especially to your gut flora, your gut health. So that's why I said, okay, no artificial sweeteners, but I'm fine with artificial flavoring. But now my uh, manufacturer has been, it's actually been about a three month, almost four month process going back and forth, getting these to taste the way I want them to taste. But they've been able to do it with natural flavoring. So I'm going to switch to natural. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with artificial flavoring, but I'd rather have all natural flavoring just for the sake of, I don't know, because I'm in an all natural things, I guess. Um, so, you know, anyways, that's a quick little rundown of, of whatever, what I'm doing with Legion. And that was the niche that I saw where there's, that, that was a, there was a need for this. And uh, Legion is doing very, very well. And uh, I, I'm... I think that, of course, there are there are definitely ways that I can improve Legion's marketing, but all in all, it's pretty. I think pretty good. The brand, uh, everything looks nice. Um, the the sales copy reads well. It's it's a it's well put together, and we are doing things improving, continually improving the look and uh, and uh, coming up with new ideas to kind of engage customers more. And like I'm going to be doing this golden label thing that I recently announced, which is every run of products is going to include a certain number of them with golden labels. And if you get one of the golden label products, then you win a year's worth of supplements uh, of your choice. Um, so just cool stuff like that. Like, you know, I, I, I thought of it randomly and, uh, you know, the Willy Wonka thing. I'm like, oh, that'd be fun, actually. I think I'm going to do that. And it's not super expensive on my end, and I just think it's cool. So I'm going to, you know, I think customers will like it. So coming up with, with more and more ideas on how to make uh, make Legion, you know, um, just to set it even, like its products are pretty unique and it sets it apart from uh, from its competitors, but to do more and more to even just make it more unique. Um, and like I'm going to be, for instance, I'm going to be starting a a, a, a a blog on Legion that I'm going to be writing for. So I'm going to be doing more writing every week um, to, to kind of like, I, I want to make Legion, I want to replicate what I've done with MFL over at Legion. I want it to be a trusted resource for not just buying supplements, but for getting training and nutrition advice and make it a place where people can go. Like you, I want people to say, Oh, you, you want to, you know, build muscle, lose fat, get fit. You need to check out, you know, you need to go check out Legion supplements and, you know, also muscle for life. But I want Legion to be in there too, not just for the supplements, um, I'm going to start doing some live Q and A's over at Legion. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to set up a service at Legion basically where you can email in any questions that you have, um, diet, tr you know, training, supplementation, whatever. And I'm going to have someone, um, that he actually works here with me and, uh, he handles a lot of Legion customer service and he's into working out. He knows his stuff. He's read everything that I've written and read a lot of other stuff as well. He's just well informed. Um, and you know, he trains people here and there. He doesn't have that much time, but he's going to be basically an online trainer, but it's going to be for free. Um, I, and I've seen other supplement companies do this where you can send an email, ask at blah. And, but one for one, when I've emailed, uh, asking just a question, Hey, you know, anything, I've just sent random questions like, um, something about losing fat or losing fat and building muscle at the same time or whatever, no reply. And then, uh, or, uh, just an autoresponder reply telling me to buy stuff. Like that's so stupid. So what I want to do is set up a service where you could email, like, cause a lot of, I understand, uh, there's a lot that is, uh, you know, you can just, if your question is, how do I lose fat? Sure. You could just go read an article on that. But there are a lot of people that have personal type of circumstances and things that make things tricky. You need some help. I want you to be able to email Legion uh, and get answers and not 
oh, that's a good question. Oh, you want to lose fat? Yeah, here, buy this fat burner. No, like, okay, you want to you want to lose fat, but your schedule is all la la la. Okay, cool. This is what we would do. Here, check this out, and uh, and tell me what you think. And doing things like that are gonna it's, you know gonna build goodwill, and it's worth the. Uh, it's, it's worth paying someone just to do that because I know it'll come back in terms of goodwill and it'll come back in terms of eventually in money, you know, people buying things and whatever. Um, so that's kind of like the, the niche that I identified and then how I'm, I want to just really solidify Legion as the, the leader in that niche of actual science-based products, you know, 100% naturally sweet and naturally flavored um, and, and really here to help uh, you achieve your goals and even, you know, reach, uh, you know, a point of where you're fulfilling maybe needs you didn't even realize that uh, your unwanted needs that you didn't realize what, you know, would have, that that you could achieve or that you would want. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's basically the, my, my thought process on getting into to an industry and really putting in the hard work and identifying, you know, something unique that you can, that you can offer um, and then out marketing your competition. Um, so let's, I don't want to go on too long on this, but, um, another, another important thing here is, uh, I think that content marketing is super important these days for any business. If you want to do well on the internet, um, especially in the long term, And if you want to not spend a shitload for your traffic, you have to be good at creating content. Um, I would say that my strength is written content. Um, I, you know, I do these videos and that's cool, but as you can see, I don't, my focus is not on my YouTube channel. Um, my focus is on my writing right now and I just have quite a few writing projects that I want to still get through. I want to get through a couple more books and stuff. Um, but in the future, I'll probably be putting a bit more emphasis on YouTube. However, YouTube is a great source of content. Um, I would question though, I would say, and this isn't, this isn't a, to, put down anybody on YouTube, but your the average quality of a YouTube follower is going to be different than the average quality of a book reader. Um, and I've seen this, uh, I, there are a lot of, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of great people through YouTube and I, there are a lot of, you know, I have a lot of followers on YouTube, uh, but a lot of them also came from reading books or reading stuff, um, where I've looked more at other people's channels that don't really have any written content. And a lot of the YouTube traffic they get, um, you know, I understand people just, they want to get some tips and they kind of move on, but it's, it's very different when somebody has sat down and spent, let's say 10 hours reading a book of yours <coughs> or they feel that they've really gotten to know you and they've developed almost like a personal relationship with you. That's different. <clears throat> and yeah, you can achieve that, I guess, if you're sitting and watch 10 hours of YouTube videos from somebody. So, you know, maybe I'm off on that one, but, um, my focus has been writing and, uh, that's what it'll continue to be. Um, so how, whatever you're going to do, uh, you're going to want to be able to create really good content that people like, and that takes time. If you, you, something you have to learn, uh, I'm sure like, you know, I've studied a ton on writing and I've written a ton, so I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, if I were now going to be focusing on creating really good YouTube content, I would do the same thing. I would study up a lot on that. I'm sure I'm making all kinds of mistakes and doing things that people don't like on YouTube and doing, not doing a lot of things that could be growing my channel faster and so forth. And that's what I'd be focusing on is how to create really good YouTube content, for example. Um, so move on to the next one here, which the note I made is get really good at marketing. I've already covered that. Um, I think that's, that's probably the most important, um, thing once you have a once you have a good product and you, you can create good content then you have to be good at marketing and you really i mean marketing is one of those subjects you can never know 
<clears throat> enough in, in my opinion. I've, I've read, I don't even know how many <clears throat> books on marketing I've read, uh, and courses and, you know, articles and stuff. I don't even know hundreds. Um, and I continue to, to study in the field just cause there is so much to know. Um, and that, you know, whenever I, this is just a personal thing. I, I, I'm sure I got this from someone. I didn't come up with it myself, but when I'm wanting to learn something, uh, like I said, recently, I, I decided to start learning golf. So I apply this to golf or apply this to marketing or writing or whatever. I, I assume that like the first step is going to be, uh, I, I outline about 20 to 25 books on the subject going through finding people. I'm looking for people that have had success in the, in the, in the area. And I prefer to have the, to read stuff from the, the people, the more the pioneers that, that discovered certain principles as opposed to people later that just embroidered on those original discoveries. Not that I wouldn't read the later stuff, but if I'm getting into a, a certain field, then I'm going to start with the, the classics in a sense, like in golf, it's like Ben Hogan stuff and whatever. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I'll, I can, I'll move I'll move into other things after that. But, um, I figure, I see that like, if you lay that out correctly and you have a div- good diverse list of books, 20 or 25 is a, is a good amount of reading, uh, where by the end of that, you're going to have a really now, a really thorough understanding of the field. And, uh, along the way, of course, you get into some application. You, I don't just sit and read and do nothing after for 25 books, but, I see that as the first milestone of where now I'll have a I- good idea of how everything works, where I need to be putting my energy, and uh, and so forth. So uh, you know that that's just a, a little tip. So on marketing, I would uh, that that's what I'd recommend. And you know I I should uh, I'll make a note. I should I could create that might just be a post that people would like. You know, twenty five marketing books that you have to read, kind of thing. Um, Anyway, I'll make a note of that. Uh, so uh, another thing here is to build your business one follower and one customer at a time. I'm a big believer in this, um, treating everybody with importance, being available uh, to answer questions, and, and um, you know, don't, don't live in an ivory tower and, and think that you're better than the, the great unwashed. You know what I mean? A lot of people do that, especially they get a little bit of success. Now they think they're better than everybody, and they don't respond to any communication anymore, or they want to get paid to just answer a question. So stupid. Um, uh, you know, what comes to mind is, uh, Charles Darwin spent hours every day answering letters for, uh, for his entire life. I think, I mean, his entire professional career for sure. And this, this was after he, he published origins of the species. This is when he was Charles Darwin and he would spend hours just answering people's letters. Anybody that wrote him, uh, he would answer. And there were quite a few other people. Um, there was a book I read called daily rituals that, uh, just go, when it, kind of an interesting book, a little, I wouldn't say gimmicky. Um, I picked up a few little interesting things in there, but it was kind of interesting just to see how a lot of the uh, great artists and inventors and um, thinkers and whatever of, of history, what their daily routines were like. And I saw that it was you, there was in there, there were a handful of, of people at least that uh, made time every day to answer letters. And I mean, that was handwriting too. And now I can just, I can hop into my Gmail and with all my keyboard shortcuts and with my whole system, my snippets, all my stuff worked out, I can blow through a hundred emails and, you know, in, I can get through probably about, yeah, an email a minute on average. So hour and a half, two hours, I can get through a lot of emails and, you know, I'm just sitting here typing away. <clears throat> I can answer so many. I can't, how, I, I can't complain. I mean, 
Imagine if I had to handwrite, I had to get I had stacks of letters in here that I had to handwrite responses to, that would be a pain in the ass. So be genuinely helpful and really focus on meeting each individual's needs uh, in, in any way that you can. And don't get so focused on just uh, numbers, just like, well, if I just get in enough people, I'll get enough money and who cares about all the details and, you know, some people will stick, some people, I, I'm not into that. I like really trying to gain one person at a time and that one person, give them good service, help them out and, and then know that like, cool, there's a good chance now that person is going to, you know, check out more of my stuff. And when I publish a new book, there's a good chance that person is going to at least check it out and think about getting it. And that's, you know, and now that I've done that where I've answered, I think my, my Gmail inbox, because I just leave everything in there, because uh, it's great for also like I have every conversation I've ever had in there with anybody. Uh, I think I have like 35,000 emails in there now. Uh, so, but that, that's like every time I answer one, I, that's a little, uh, you know, something that, that, that can come back to me. And I look at it that way. And same thing with Legion. We take care of everybody. If people don't like things, we give them refunds. We switch out products kind of go out of our way to give people good customer service because again, I think it's just one person at a time. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking to, to do. Um, and last but not, but least, last but not least is choose the right people to work with you and take good care of them. Um, so I don't do this all alone. Muscle for life is I do all the writing, but, uh, there's a lot of other stuff that happens behind the scenes that makes it all, ha that makes it all possible that's handled by Nico. Um, it's handled by Sam who handles all the meal plans and does a great job on that. And in Nico, like he's helped me a ton of, on a ton of things with his upcoming book launch, all the logistics, blah, blah, blah. He does a great job on that. Legion, uh, is not just me. Um, it's Jeremy who handles all the marketing and a quite, you know, a few other things, just kind of random type of things as well. And Kareem handles all the shipping He handles all the, the, you know, customer service and does, you know, works hard. Everybody works, uh, you know, pretty, pretty long hours and, and we, we do a good job. So, um, and the, when I'm, when I'm looking for, to, you know, like I need to hire a new, another person, for instance. And when I'm looking for uh, who to hire, you know, I'm looking for somebody that is going to fit in with our group. Um, we are, all, all those guys are, you know, in their early to mid twenties. I'm 30. Um, but maybe mentally I'm, you know, <laughs> 20. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, we all, we have internet crude senses of humor and, you know, so there's like a, a certain, uh, environment here that you have to be okay with. And so they need to fit in. And I'm looking for somebody that uh, is smart, but not overly. I think sometimes people put a bit too much emphasis on the uh, importance of intelligence in, in success. And um, me personally, uh, I mean, this has also just been research. This is not even a personal opinion. But just IQ is not nearly as important for success as uh, grit and just the, the willingness to work hard. I'll take somebody, you know, with with uh, uh, a very normal or let's say average IQ, but a very high drive. I'll take that person every day over a high IQ, low drive. High IQ, low drive. Those people are so annoying to work with because they constantly need motivation. They constantly need, come on, come on. Like, why aren't you? Why don't you want to work? What is wrong with you? Uh, and even though they might come up with good ideas, but then like, oh yeah, some some brilliant idea but that's going to require a lot of work and like, no, <laughs> you suck. 
I'd much rather take someone that maybe doesn't have the best ideas, uh, but they don't, they're not, you know, they don't mess things up, but they're driven. They're going to be there ambitious. They're there to work and they're, they want to get stuff done. That's the type of person that I want to work with. Um, and if somebody is high IQ and high drive, great. I mean, that's, that's the superstar type of person that that's cool too. Um, so, you know, all of us here at all the guys I work with are all smart guys. They work hard. And so I kind of like, in a sense, I'm looking, I've kind of surrounded myself by people that are superstars in their own regard and, and, and they, and we all work together and do a really good job. So, um, and in terms of taking good care of them, uh, I mean, there's a book I, I just read recently that I really liked and I'm kind of like pulling all my notes and highlights out and putting together a little plan on how I'm going to put it into play. But um, it's called Peak, uh, and it's from a guy named Chip Conley. Let me make sure I got that right. Amazon. Peak Conley. Yeah. Peak, how great companies get their mojo from Maslow, Chip Conley. Um, and great book. Uh, I It's kind of built around Abraham Maslow's pyramid uh, psychological pyramid, which you've probably heard about where at the bottom you have like base survival needs. And in the middle of this pyramid, you have like self-recognition. And then at the top, you have self-actualization. Um, anyways, and what I like a lot about this book is in terms of employees is just, uh, how important it is to not just pay people well, but also to create an environment where they are recognized for their good work, where they feel appreciated, uh, and where they, uh, and then even above that, where they feel like they are doing what they were really meant to do and their work really aligns with their talents and that it really has meaning and it's making a difference. And so um, in terms of Muscle for Life and Legion, that's also one of the reasons why I've been able to um, get people that are willing to work hard and, and, and do what needs to happen to make it all go is um, we actually are helping people. You know, we have uh, so many good success stories and we get new success stories every week. Um, and that, that matters. That makes you feel good. It, it, mean, it gives meaning to your, to your work. And uh, in Legion, even in terms of the supplements, uh, ironically, I'm seeing now like different little copycats popping up trying to do the exact same thing as Legion, and that's cool. Um, the, the few that I can think of, their marketing's pretty shitty, so I don't know how they're going to do ultimately, but it's cool to see that uh, other companies are, in, in, in one case, it's a pretty big company on Amazon actually that has now been changing over to like the same type of marketing as Legion, no artificial sweeteners uh, or flavors and clinically effective dosages, even though their their ingredients are not, or their products are bullshit. So they're kind of just abusing it. But it's kind of cool to see. I would love to see that becoming a trend. I'd love to see in five years where a lot of big supplement companies are now having to actually sell good products and are taking some of the unnecessary chemicals and stuff out of their products. I don't know if it's going to happen. Only the consumers can really force that kind of change. Um, you know, if, if people are willing to continue buying exactly what they're buying today and five years from now, then the supplement companies are going to continue selling them exactly that. But uh, it's kind of, you know, I think it's cool to see at least some companies are noticing what, what Legion's doing and and seeing like hey that's a good idea because even if they're just trying to rip me off if if they are let's say producing you know just better products then that's better for everybody in general um so uh yeah i guess uh, i mean there's more that could be said obviously on 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 getting and keeping good people but i would for now recommend pick up 
peak. I'll link to it in the description below. And if you're interested in, in that, you know, how to, how to build a business that doesn't just make money, but that makes a difference, um, both in the lives of uh, employees and, and customers, I, I highly recommend that book. All right, this is a longer podcast. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cut it off here. Uh, I hope you liked it, and uh, I will see you next week. Hey, it's Mike again. Hope you liked the podcast. If you did, uh, go ahead and subscribe. I put out new episodes every week or two um, where I talk about all kinds of things related to health and fitness and general wellness. Also, head over to my website at www.muscleforlife.com where you'll find not only past episodes of the podcast, but you'll also find uh, a bunch of different articles that I've written. Um, I release a new one almost every day, actually. I release kind of like four to six new articles a week. Um, and you can also find my books and everything else that I'm involved in over at muscleforlife.com. All right. Thanks again. Bye.